0: guys, welcome back to Network Chuck. Um, we're talking about hacking today. Now, how do you become a hacker? This is something I've been asking myself a lot lately because I made that Starbucks video where I got to do some hacking, and it's a little addicting. And you know, I'm not a hacker. I'm not, I'll be the first to admit it. I uh, am what you would call a script kitty, I think is what I, how they refer to us. And um, I'm very much a, a noob. But I wanted to get down into the deep weeds of how do you actually become a hacker? And I have the perfect person on the channel today. Um, his name is Heath. He's also called the Cyber Mentor on YouTube. I'll let him talk here in a second. Um, but basically, he started like I did. He uh, was a network engineer, uh, and then just taught himself hacking. Um, he's an ethical hacker. He does penetration testing. So I brought him on to find out, okay, how do we do this? How do we become a hacker? What are the skills we need to get? Um, what certifications do we have to become a programmer? All these questions we're gonna pretty much answer. So Heath, I'm gonna bring you on. Let me just make sure I'm on the right thing. There he is, say hello.
1: Hey, what's up everybody? Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely, so I'll, I'll do the the guest out here so we're both on the screen here. Um, so Heath, you are the cyber mentor. You have a YouTube channel, which you, you guys can check out. The link below, and you basically done do a bunch of pen test teaching. Is that I said that right? Pen testing teaching. Yeah. And, and uh, you you've pretty much done it all. I'll stop talking. Tell me, Heath, how can I become a hacker? I, I have networking knowledge, which I I assume might be a good base, but also let's let's assume that maybe I don't know anything. How do I become a hacker? Let's assume I'm a 16-year-old in high school. I don't know what the junk I'm doing. How do I become a hacker like you?
1: Sure. Uh, so it it definitely takes some time to become a hacker, and it takes a lot of patience. So um, having in the networking background is really a good thing to have. You... Um, you really need to know networking, and it doesn't have to be like a deep, deep networking knowledge. Having like uh, the OSI model, knowing that, knowing the IPv4, IPv6, knowing ARP, DNS, DHCP, knowing the common things like out of a CCNA or even a Network Plus would really help. Uh, The other thing that's super important when it comes to becoming a pen tester with having that foundation is really Linux. So we live in Linux for the most part, either Kali Linux or the new up and coming is called Parrot OS. Uh, so between those two, having a Linux foundation and network foundations, really, really strong. Uh, with Linux as well, understanding the command line, some of the basic concepts and understanding uh, like bash scripting. doesn't have to be like a coding level at all, but just understanding simple basics like for loops, uh, while loops, uh, you know, just simple little instructions that you could write Four out in loops. a one liner. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> for <laughs> loops. Yep. So, you know, just things that you could write out in like one line. Super useful. Um, But other than that, once you build that Linux and that networking foundation, you just kind of start building upon it. So you might add in some Python scripting or you might add in like, uh, you know, just some basics. There's a lot of resources and tools out there. You really just start building out your methodology. Like you start learning your tools. You might start with something like Nmap, which is Network Mapper, where you just scan uh, you scan a machine, basically, for open ports, and you look at those open ports and what services are running on those, and you start looking for vulnerabilities. And it's just over time, you repeat the process enough, you start getting better and better at it. Uh, so really, when it comes to becoming an ethical hacker, the, the very first steps are building that foundation. And then once you have a nice foundation to build upon, you just start learning the different ins and outs. And there's so many different uh, aspects of of pen testing and ethical hacking that really, well, I, I mean. I want to
0: stop you there because yeah. some people might get hung up on the, the word ethical because we're talking about hacking and hacking most commonly is referred to as you know, something nefarious, anonymous, sure. taking down sites. What is an ethical hacker?
1: Yeah, so ethical hacking means we're doing it for, for the good, right? Um, so usually what that means is we, well, it does mean we have permission to do so, uh, whether it be a client that we've signed with or our employer has signed with, and we have a lot of contracts in place that say, hey, you can attack this IP address or this range of IP addresses or this website. And that's similar if you've heard of bug bounties before, that's similar to what they do is they just go out and these companies say, yes, you can attack us at this location or this location, and we give you permission to do so. So the other aspect of that would be what's called a black hat, uh, which is not an ethical hacker. They, you know, they hack for they hack for profit and illegal and nefarious things. Um, so... That's really the, the general difference.
0: Okay, cool, so we're basically doing the, the legal version of hacking, which is good. You shouldn't be a bad hacker. Absolutely. Um, so okay, so th- that's a good foundation to have. So learning Linux, which I've started doing, um, which I've told everyone to start doing. Yeah. Um, knowing, uh, would, would you say that it's essential to know networking, or can you just like come in with a server administration knowledge, or do you kind of have to start knowing like everything? Like what, what would be, um. I, I guess a good base certification that like a total noob, like I can turn on a computer, but I don't know what else to do. What would you say is like a, a good base certification they could start with?
1: Sure. Uh, so, network related, I would say either the the Network Plus or probably like the CCENT would probably be enough to really get you just those foundations to you know know your protocols, know the like again the OSI model, and just have that that background. And networking really helps because you're going to run into things, especially when it gets to, to the deeper weeds of network pen testing, where um, if you don't understand how certain protocols work, you're going to kind of get lost. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of different attacks based on certain protocols. So knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it really helps uh, uh, yourself, and it helps to explain to the customer as well when it comes time to say, "Here's what I attacked, why I attacked it, and how it works."
0: Okay, cool, that's a a good foundation. So I I heard the term, this is how much of a noob I am when it comes to the hacking world. I heard the term script kitty and I didn't know what it was. And this was like a month ago, I'm embarrassed to say. Um, And and when I heard what it was, I'm like, crap, am I a script kitty? So I am doing my most, like I'm putting forth the most effort to not be one. Um, So what I understand is that a script kitty is someone who just takes like Kali Linux, doesn't know what the heck they're doing, they press start and they try to hack things but uh, you're not really a script kitty if you kind of understand what you're doing or maybe you are even writing your own variations of the scripts, is that wh- how I'm understanding it?
1: Yeah, so the, the big thing, I guess the big difference between what you call a script kitty and maybe an ethical <laughs> hacker is that the script kitty is gonna just download things and fire away. They're not gonna have any inclination. They might say, oh, this port's open. I know that it's vulnerable to uh, X, Y, and Z, so I'm just gonna throw every attack at that that port that I know has been vulnerable for in the past. Uh, They won't read a script. They might download something that they have no idea what it's gonna do to either their machine or the machine they're attacking. Um, So it doesn't necessarily mean that you just download other people's stuff and you use it, because that's really what pen testing is. It's a bunch of tools and everything else that the community contributes together. It's, uh, it's downloading these scripts and having no idea and just firing away and kind of spray and pray is what we call it.
0: <laughs> spray and pray, I like that. Okay, yeah. so we, we learned some Linux and we learned some networking. And I mean, I, I guess when you, when you become an ethical hacker, you're not just exploiting any one kind of area of IT. You might be looking at databases. You might be looking at networking, um, servers, um, Linux, um, all, all kinds of stuff, really, even even social engineering. So, sure. w- Where did you focus? What was your first... like? Because you were a network engineer before you saw the light. What made you want to jump into it, and where did you focus, and how did you take those first steps?
1: Yeah, so em- embarrassingly, uh, my friend... I was working on help desk, and my friend told me that there was a certification called the certified ethical hacker and I just got excited because it's like you get paid to hack people um, and that's really where you know I heard about this whole thing so uh, I started doing a lot of research and just focusing on you know um, what the next steps were how to become this ethical hacker um, and then like being the network guy and that I was and also a lot of the training focuses primarily on network side. Uh, So network pen testing methodology, at least from a base level, is where you find in like, I would say, CEH, OSCP, eLearn Securities certifications as well. All of those really focus on it. Hack the Box, VolnHub, it's all mostly network based. Um, Uh,
0: What is Hack the Box? I've seen that around. What is that?
1: So think of it as like a capture the flag. It's like a game, honestly. So you, you log into this site and they've got 20 live machines at any given time and you just attempt to attack the machine. They're all vulnerable in one way or another. So you just have to hack the machine. If you get the you get the flag when you own the machine, you go submit the flag and you get credit for it on your account. So uh, it's just like a, it's a big capture the flag game. Essentially, that's always running.
0: That sounds fun.
1: Yeah, it's a good way to learn uh, a lot of the methodology. So um, that's just like the, the main resources that are out there are really network based with the bug bounties and everything coming out now. Those are all really web app based. Ah, uh, so you see a lot of people dropping courses like HackerOne starting to drop materials. in their Bug Bounty program, Ah uh, PortSwigger who makes a tool called Burp Suite. Uh, I they... was looking
0: at that last night actually because I, I was looking at um I forget his YouTube channel name. We were just talking about him, but ah uh, yeah, Burp Suite is like this like it's it's a premium product, but it, it's yes. a bunch of stuff that helps you hack, kind of like Kali, but I guess more premium.
1: It's so they have a free edition. The free is really limited. Uh, but the premium edition is 400 bucks a year. Absolutely worth it. There's like, there's one tool that I could say if you're going to be doing pen testing on your own, or you know, like your company won't pay for it for whatever reason, you have to have it if you're doing web app assessments. Um, just a fantastic tool. Even I even use it sometimes on network assessments when I'm pen testing against websites. Uh, it's amazing, amazing tool to have. So, uh, but yeah, these these foundational courses are starting to come all over the place for web app as well. But my my initial way in was with network. Network pen testing.
0: So you you looked at the CEH first. No, let's just get this out of the way because I know we're yeah, like, wondering let's what certifications it. should we go for. Which one should we go? That's garbage.
1: Sure. Um, so as somebody who has these certifications, mainly, uh, so the CEH and the PenTest Plus, we'll talk about them briefly. Uh, the CEH is it's good on paper. It's what we call in the U.S. at least. It's a DoD 8570 certification. Meaning that a lot of people use it, especially on the government side on HR forms. Um, It will not teach you the first lick about being a pen tester. There are so many other things out there (laughs) for free that will teach you better. So it is, it's honestly, as coming from somebody who has it, it's a waste of money. Um, I, you know, I paid, I can't remember, a lot of money for that certification and did not know a thing that I was doing when I was done with it. Uh, So, it's I, I would just say avoid it honestly. And the the other one that you should avoid right now is the pen test plus. There's a there's a couple of reasons for this. Um, one, it's relatively new, and two, it doesn't have a practical, um, it doesn't have a practical assessment to it. So like you're the the ones I'm about to talk about here in a minute have like a hack your way in kind of assessment where you actually have to hack some machines, write a report about it, and uh, you know actually use hands on examination to be successful. Ah, uh, the pentest so, plus. So not just
0: theory, right? It's like a lot not of theory. Just go through and go, "Oh, I can memorize, you know, these ports right. and uh, why those are vulnerable." But yeah, this this makes you actually I, test like a, a hacker methodology, I guess.
1: And that that is what the issue is with the CEH as well. Is it's just it's vocabulary exam. When it's all said and done, you're memorizing switches for whatever reason. And I was just talking to somebody not that long ago, and he's like, "Hey, can you tell me what these different switches are for for Nmap?" And I'm like, "You're never going to use any of those in the real world. So like, they're teaching you things um, for this exam that you're never going to use in real life anyway. It's a memorization exam."
0: Yeah, because the switches you can you can Google that, right? Like dash <laughs> pull dash dash, the, dash help. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The things you need to know are the how it works or right. why you should do that.
1: Right. So that's um, that's the big issues with those. Uh, the Pentest Plus I took in beta, uh, I was already an OSCP, you know, had certifications, was a pentester. They just said, hey, you want to renew all your certifications? Pay $50 and take this exam for us. Uh, so I, I did that, and I actually thought it was a pretty decent exam. I know OSCPs that failed that exam. Um, the issue is I don't think HR is ever going to pick it up. And it's just not going to be relevant in our field. So those those are the two I would avoid. And going back on the CH, like I have been laughed at in interviews when I was first starting out for having that from hiring managers. Oh, are you seriously laughed at? Laughed at. HR doesn't know any better, but the hiring managers know better. So I mean, it's just it just is what it is. Um, but when it comes down, so getting into the certifications that you actually should uh, that you should have. So there's, there's two that I like. Oh, we'll talk about three. So uh, the third third place would be the SANS G-PEN. Um, really good certification because it's up to date. But the issue is you're not paying for that certification out of pocket. It's like $7,000. Uh, so unless you can get an employer to pay for it or you're in government or something where they're spending that kind of money for a certification, it's really not worth it. Um, but the the if you do get lucky and you can... I mean the the jobs that uh, have it in their postings are there's quite a bit there's like 500 or 600 last time I checked, um, you know it's a relevant certification it's up to date it's it's everything you want it to be when it comes to learning there is no practical assessment to that which is kind of unfortunate, uh, but at the same time it really does I think prepare you for for the field and looks good on paper um, the other one so the one that you hear people talk about the most would be the OSCP.
0: And, and I had honestly never heard of that until maybe like a month ago where I saw someone on my Twitter feed passed it I'm like, what's the OSCP? And it sounds yeah. cool, but I have no idea what it is.
1: Yeah, so the, the cool behind the certification is that they have this, everything's try harder. That's their that's their whole quote, it's <laughs> try harder. Uh, so basically what you get is you spend anywhere from 800 to 1200 bucks um, and you get 30 to 90 days of lab time essentially. And that lab time gives you access to like 50 or 60 machines. And you basically, all these machines are vulnerable and you just sit there and you try to hack them. Uh, So, I mean, it's good practice. You get to try over and over, learn different techniques and navigate around a network, which is awesome. Uh, the, uh, The other thing to it is it has that real world exam where you have five machines and you actually have to take down a good majority of those machines, then write a report to pass it, so it's like a 24 hour exam where you're legitimately working at it for up to 24 hours trying to pass this exam. Uh, so in terms of like the gatekeeper for HR, the OSCP is the, the certification uh, when it comes to pen testing. The There are some downsides to it in that it will not teach you any methodology for web apps. It will not teach you any methodology for internal pen testing, which is big. Um, And it won't teach you anything for wireless, which really, it's okay. It's not really, it's a network pen testing certification. But um, when it comes down to it, it's been dated. It hasn't been updated in five years-ish. And uh, a lot of the challenges and a lot of the, you know, even the exam type is what's called a capture the flag format. So it's not very realistic. It's not based on a network scenario. It's just based on some things that you'll never see again. So in terms of actually getting the certification, it gives you a nice mentality when it comes to try harder, perseverance, enumeration, which is big, you know, how deep can you dig into a machine to find a vulnerability? Because that is real world. Um, and it gives you that same, you know, if, if, a, if an employer sees it on a resume, we at least know that you have that tenacity and that, that um, drive to, to dig deeper. Um, but, you know, there are, it does come with its, its downfalls as well. I think every certification does. And you said this was nine hundred dollars. Uh, so eight hundred to twelve hundred. But <laughs> the ROI, the ROI on this certification is fantastic. So, so, what would you
0: make? So, we'll say you have CCNA, and you're like, okay, I want to become a pen tester. I want to become an ethical hacker. I get the OSCP. What kind of salary could I expect or hope for?
1: Uh, so I'll tell you, my first job was over a hundred. Um, mm, now okay. the. I, and everybody I know that has the OSCP is making anywhere. I mean, I would say 80 is the base, even I would call it really 90. I wouldn't take a job under 90 as a a beginner, Um, but I'm seeing anywhere from the 90 to 120, even as junior levels, honestly, it's, the market's insane right now. We don't have enough pen testers uh, and we just don't, there's just not enough. So supply and demand, demand's high, money's high right now. So. Honestly, and that's that's the gatekeeper certification. Now, there is one more that I want to mention, which is the eLearn security certification. It's called the PTP. Um, and that certification is what I think is the best, most well-rounded certification that's out there because it does teach you internal pen testing, which is huge. So internal pen testing revolves around being inside of a network, and 95% of Fortune 500s use Active Directory. So if you don't know how to pen test against Active Directory, which, most certifications aren't teaching you, uh, you know, you're going to struggle quite a bit. So this certification is great. It does teach you that. It's actually more expensive than the offensive security. Uh, but the downfall here for them is that nobody knows who they are. Uh, the I mean, the content is super relevant. The There is a practical exam. There's lab environment. Everything that you want it to have, HR has not picked up on it yet. So oh, it's almost so, like you need a cool. little bit of both.
0: Yeah, because... I know like the knowledge you gain from a certification is obviously great, but the value isn't there if no one knows what it is. Right. <laughs> like i that was the first time I've ever heard of that PTP, like Paul, Thomas, Paul. Yep. So, uh,
1: professional penetration testing professional, I think is what it stands for. They have a, um, so they have a course prior to that, which is called PTS, which is penetration testing student. And a lot of people will take that first and then go into the OSCP as kind of like a precursor. Um, but, I mean, it does, if you look at the syllabus to the material, it's got external, internal, wireless, uh, Ruby coding. I think there's some exploit development as well, which the OSCP has some exploit development. So, uh, But just in a well-rounded format, it's really, really impressive. Uh, but, again, it's kind of like you can't, there's not the one perfect certification anymore. You kind of, it's almost a blend. Uh, but if there's one that, like, really would... Help you get into interviews, it's the OSCP. If there's one that would help you be successful in interviews, it's probably the PTP.
0: So that's 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 great news for us. Well I guess maybe sad news because it, it is a lot. It's a heavy investment um, to get into that. Everyone cares about the CEH, but apparently that's
1: eh. <laughs> if, unless unless you're DOD eighty five seventy, you're working that that kind of you know area in the government, then I that, that then it's fine. But otherwise CEH isn't really worth it.
0: Wow. Okay. So, how how do you study for a test like the OSCP or the PTP?
1: Is there a lot of like
0: I can't imagine there being a ton of training material out there. And how long can you expect to study for that kind of stuff?
1: So, um, I can tell you with my experience with the OSCP, it was I did it in forty five days, and it took me two hundred hours. So, that averaged out to about five and a half hours a day. Um, so with that, and what really with pen testing in general, and any certification or job, you just need time. So as long as you have that time and that effort, they give you the materials. That's what's nice about these certification courses. Is like the OSCP will give you the materials. So will the so will the PTP. They give you the lab environments to practice in. So there's a lot of that, but you have to be able to sit down and put your time in to actually be successful.
0: Yeah, and that's that. That makes sense because like be- becoming a hacker is almost like trying to become a master of all the disciplines. Like you have to know both how to administer it and engineer it so you can know how to break it. So you have to become pretty intense. Now the big question though, do you have to know any programming?
1: So uh, yes and no. Uh, Yes at the point of you need to know basic levels. Again, this goes back to the same thing with with bash. Like you need to know what a, a for loop is. You need to know what a conditional statement is. You need to know what a variable is. Like, you know, those sorts of things so that when you see a script uh, or you see some somebody's, you know, program that's out there, you can read it and kind of understand what's going on. You don't have to be a developer to where you develop everything from scratch. Now, there are companies out there that like value that kind of stuff where they like the, their, they give research time essentially to their pen testers. You might be a pen tester 75% of the time, the other 25% you're writing code, writing programs. Not all pen test shops are like that. In fact, most people I know Probably aren't really really strong dev. They're more strong scripting and and just being able to you know get around. Uh, the Google coders, I think, is what we like to call ourselves. So
0: that's funny because I, I always say that uh, the best network engineers or anybody in IT are the most like they're so skilled at finding information on Google. You're just a Google that's expert. It. That's No one has to it. search it. Oh, that's the best skill in the world. Um. So what would you say is the um. What what would you say makes you kind of have an aptitude towards becoming a hacker? Is it problem solving? Because you're not really solving problems, Mm -hmm. you're kind of causing them. So what what would you say lends to that kind of uh, mentality?
1: That's a good question. And uh, this is something I I harp on a lot, is that you have to have that mentality to always be learning. And that's really what makes a successful person. So if if you enjoy learning, this is really the field for you. If you're a tinker, you like to break stuff, great. Uh, the the issue is, like, hacking is a sexy term. It's a great field to be in. But I don't think a lot of the people realize the amount of work that goes into becoming an ethical hacker and staying an ethical hacker is big, too. Like, um, you know, we have to stay up to date because there's always a new vulnerability and there's always a new patch out there. So something that we were using yesterday might not work tomorrow. And that's, you know, that really keeps us on our toes. So we are always studying, always learning the next thing. And if you are somebody who enjoys this thoroughly, it doesn't feel like work. So as long as you have that inquisitive mindset, I guess, you know, that, that's really what makes or breaks somebody getting into this field.
0: Okay, awesome. And that's, I, th- I think that is probably really what anybody in IT should have. I mean, you what you're describing, you don't really need in some IT jobs. You can kind of stop, right? But right. In ethical hacking, like you have to be on top of your game because things change so rapidly. Um, that makes a lot of sense, and you kind of have to. I, I have to ask this question: Do you know black hat hackers? Are you guys friends? Do you battle it out? I, I don't know. I, I just yeah. had this thought in my mind.
1: <laughs> uh, I I think you know people that do it, but it's not talked about in open in open areas. You know, it's not something that um, I don't know. Like we, especially with with as much regulation as there is around. Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, whatever content platform you're on, Discord, any of that discussion that's out there, I mean, it's just instant ban. So, like, personally, do do I know people? I'm sure I know people, but do we talk about it? It really don't. And I'm guessing those that do talk about it, it's it's offline, it's discreet, you know, whatever they're doing in their time.
0: I, I, is it kind of like a Star Wars thing? Like, you, you kind of go to the dark side if you, like, give in to hate or something? Like, <laughs> What makes you become a a black hat hacker? Is it just the money, you think? It's the money. It's the the money money big time.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, like, if you think about a vulnerability, you can, if you're an exploit developer or a vulnerability researcher, you can get six figures. um, But you can get double, triple, quadruple that same amount for an exploit. You could sell a zero day and like a huge program. Say you had a whatever. Apple's giving a a million dollars out right now, right, for a zero day. You can go take that on the black market and get triple that. So, I mean, it's the same, it's the same thing. Like just, there's always gonna be more money for being bad guy than good guy.
0: Interesting, interesting. So guys, if you're watching this, which you are watching this right now, do not do that. <laughs> the money's not worth it. You'll get <laughs> caught, you'll go to jail. <laughs> Don't become Absolutely. a podcast hacker. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so uh, I had a question and I, it's coming back to me now. So for, for, let's, let's just say our, our, the person we're talking to is Bob. He's 16 years old what steps should he take right now to become a hacker? I, should he should he start playing with Kali? Should he start playing with Linux? Or should he start maybe with uh, earlier baby steps? Should he get a Network Plus certification? What, what would you say if you could go back and do it all over again?
1: Sure. Um, so at 16, I don't know what certifications are really open to you. Uh, so like even like the OSCP, you have to be 18 to take. I don't oh, know how real? CompTIA is. Yeah. Wow. So.
0: CompTIA, you can, I think, Everything you can pretty much get. So we, we know some guys who are 16 who have their CCMP and wow. they have all the CompTIA certifications. Uh, talking to you, Michael, um, if you're watching. Uh, but yeah, so I, I didn't know that, like CCIE, yeah, it's 18, and so so OSCP, interesting.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, so other than that, keeping that out then, um, I would honestly recommend, you know, starting with Kali Linux and learning Linux is absolutely fine. You can learn in whichever order you want. Uh, you can even learn concurrently. Like if you're doing, say say you download Kali and you start following along with a Linux course. That's fine. Uh, you start doing hack the box and just practicing. That's fine as well. And maybe you come across some networking things and you have no idea what's going on. Then you start supplementing that and you just start building these foundational blocks as you go. Um, I think if at like, say you're 16 years old, you got plenty of time to, two years is plenty of time to get ready for the, the job force. And even like, I mean, if you get the right certifications and the right everything else, I don't even know if you need college at that point. So.
0: Oh, now you're speaking my love language. That was my I know. live stream last week. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw. I saw. <laughs> so I guess okay. Uh, do you have a degree? I have. I have a
1: master's degree. Oh, shut up. <laughs> yeah, man. Am I an advocate? I don't know. Like, it's it's tough because like there are certain situations that I've been in that the degree has absolutely helped me and. I think that's leveraged in my career to other opportunities. Like I worked at a national lab, you had to have a master's degree. Um, That national lab on my resume has helped me get into pen testing jobs. I think the master's degree has helped me as well. Do I think and do I know people that have done it without a degree, without anything? Absolutely. Do you need a degree to be in this field? No, probably not. And you got to think that my degree coming from the background, uh, I was an accountant, so I needed a degree, needed a master's degree as well. So that was uh, primarily the reason that I had it. Uh, but <laughs> so if you're if you're saying, hey, I want to be an accountant, yes, you need a degree. Hey, I want to be a pen tester. You don't probably need a degree for anything. If I'm being honest.
0: Okay, perfect. Well, I like that. So you, your degree really
1: isn't in IT at all. Uh, masters is MBA with a focus on computer information systems. So it's a little bit, but I mean, <laughs> realistically, no, it's it's all accounting and business related.
0: Okay, cool. So going back to our good old friend Bob, he's sixteen. Yep. You would say start playing with Linux, start playing with Cali, um, get your get your feet wet. Yep. Um, maybe consider not going to college once you hit eighteen. Hit those um, big certifications, OSCP, um, PTP, and uh, go from there. Now, how do you what, what kind of job title do you look for as a hacker? Is it just called penetration testers? Is it called ethical hacker? What, what do you look for?
1: Yeah, so uh, LinkedIn and Indeed are really good at just searching. Either search by the certification, like searching by OSCP is probably going to get you a nice range because you can be called uh, junior, senior penetration tester. You could be called ethical hacker. You could be called red teamer. You could be called um, senior security engineer. I've seen everything out there. Uh, so it's almost better to search by the certifications to kind of find those jobs uh, that you know really narrow it down uh, than basing it off one keyword. Uh, the other thing is uh, Ninja Jobs is another one. Um, so if you do, I think it's NinjaJobs.org. The nice thing about it is it's all cybersecurity related jobs, and it's it has like nice features where you can like switch out and like one feature that I really love is remote because I only work from home. Uh, so like you could filter for remote only jobs. And you can filter by salary, and they're all like again cybersecurity related. So you could search like OSCP remote with this minimum salary and find what jobs are out there. And normally you're actually sub- uh, submitting your resume to like a hiring manager as opposed to HR doing all that filter, you know, crap that you got to go through as well. So it's a really nice platform that I don't think a lot of people know about.
0: Wait, so hold up, you're saying that um, you could work from home as an ethical yes. hacker pretty easily?
1: Yes. Um, huh. So. There are there's pushback at the junior level. Um, but if you're patient and you find the right job, my first job was from home. I mean, so you, you just you just have to be patient with it and find find the right job for it. But yeah, every every ethical hacker that I know that is uh, worked at least a couple of years is working from home at this point. Um, only, you know, there's there's some jobs that make you travel and go in the office, but I would avoid those at this rate. This just the the trend we're moving towards is working from home in this field. Now, do you. I just comes to mind like do you have
0: a hard time doing a proper penetration test when you're working from home or is that kind of the idea like because the hackers are most of the time gonna be remote I guess
1: sure yeah so most of the time we are gonna be remote there are some downsides to it um so I think the biggest downfall, especially if you come in as a junior as a remote you miss that opportunity to you know shoulder so shoulder surf. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know somebody you get the opportunity to watch a more senior person do a pen test or ask somebody questions like yeah you still have that slack environment or whatever environment you use and you can talk to people and say hey I'm doing this can we screen share uh, I think it loses the same feel though that you can just sit there and watch and learn from somebody that is more senior and has some tips and tricks to show you um, other than that I think as you as you go and you get more advanced it really working for home is awesome like, You are simulating and when you're doing an external assessment, you're simulating, you know, an external attacker. I could be in a foreign country. It doesn't really matter. Uh, The internal assessment assumes either breach, Dropbox, you know, insider threat. Somehow we've gotten a laptop on that network. And again, we don't have to be there for it to actually work for us. So the only time we typically go on site is if the customer really, really wants it. And that would just be for an internal or wireless is kind of 50-50 nowadays where, um, you know, it's good to go on site to do the wireless, but at the same time, you could ship a Dropbox and do the wireless as well.
0: Okay, cool. And that makes sense. And that's that's fantastic. So I'm I'm a huge advocate for working from home. And I get so many guys uh, and, and girls coming into the uh, the network engineer field. And they're like, I want to work from home. And I'm like, yeah, it's possible, but it's, it's kind of hard. It really is hard. So, so it's good sure. to know that. Uh, becoming a hacker, you can work from home, which is the best
1: situation I've ever had in my life, and I know. Yeah, guys, absolutely. It's like it's the best. <laughs> you, you roll to bed one minute before you got to work, and you're you're good. Make your coffee, and you're ready. Oh my goodness, yeah.
0: It's you That's have it. so much like I I hated commuting so like I had an hour each way. I almost lost my mind. Um, is is good thing I found a job remote quick. Um, now, what I, I hear this a lot, and I, I it's hard to find a good answer, and I'm, I know you can answer it well. Cybersecurity versus just security. like it, It's a buzzword, and what does it really mean? So why would, because you see like, they have the CCNA cybersecurity, they, they still have that. But then mm-hmm. they have the CCNP security, the new one coming out. What's the big difference between cybersecurity and security, are they not just the same? Is it a different variation?
1: I think they're the same thing, if you were to ask me that. <laughs> you asked me that in an interview, I would tell you they're the exact same thing. Uh, the only time that we see a difference in like security in our aspect is um, if we're talking physical versus cyber and physical being like, can I pick your locks? Can I bypass the social engineering? You know, um, that sort of methodology. Other than that, cybersecurity and security are the same thing to me when it comes to at least IT.
0: That I would agree with that. And uh, it's funny because for a while there and it still is the case, we have the CCNA security then we have CCNA cybersecurity. And I'm like what's the difference right right <laughs> why did you guys do that right <laughs> um, it's buzzwords absolutely yeah, exactly it's I, I hate to say it but they're probably trying to sell certifications um yep. people try to do that now so being a, a hacker i mean you, you basically have to know security in and out because you're not just um, hacking security, you have to know, you have to know how to secure things because when you do your penetration testing, you have to give your these people your hacking, saying, "Hey, this is what you do to fix that." So, do yes. you would you say that going for maybe like a CCMP security certification would be good, or do you think what you're doing is enough to get the OSCP, and, and
1: is it even better than going for like CCMP security? So, I I always caveat anything above like a CCNA level. And I just do that for our field only because I know people that have had that NP uh, or that DP and they have been roped into other projects or Cisco stuff, or they're doing like console security audits and things that, you know, like, Hey, I became a pentester. Why do I want to look at Cisco logs or Cisco, you know, configs all day. Um, So like you can pigeonhole yourself in those situations. I think like if you want to understand the defensive side, either being on the offense and just doing it over and over, which is kind of what I've done, really helps. Or you could start out as like a blue team slash defender and learn the attacks from that side. And then you kind of know, you just know the opposite. Um, but like a lot of it really it really boils down to research, right? So you know the attacks that you're performing. You have to understand yourself why those attacks are vulnerable and how you can fix them. And then you relay that to the client. Uh, so it's a lot of study time outside, not just on the attacking side, but also the, the defense and remediation.
0: Now, real quick, this is another noob question um, that I just am way too lazy to Google. Red team, blue team, purple team, what is this?
1: Sure. Uh, So as general terms, uh, a red team would be offensive security. Uh, So that would be your attacker, pentester. I'll get into what it really means in our field in a second. Uh, On the blue team, it just means defender, you know. So red versus blue and then purple is a combination of both. So when we do a purple team assessment, what that means is I will sit down with a blue teamer and I will run an attack and I'll say, hey, did you see it? And either yes, I saw it or no, I didn't. How can we change that baseline on Splunk or whatever it is, the sim that we're using and improve that security? So purple teams when a red and blue work together for a better overall cause. Um, so in just to backtrack a little bit, red team in our field. So there's pen testing and then there's red teaming. Uh, pen testing is, is what I do primarily. Red teaming is like a advanced pen testing. Essentially what you're doing is you might be given a mission. You might say, hey, we want you to get this sensitive R&D off this network. Um, that's it. Go. And those guys might go or girls might go out and they might go to the job site. They might sit by you at lunch. They might try to take a picture of your badge or clone your badge. They might like social, social engineering is probably the primary way in. You're not scanning the network and looking, you know, you're not making a bunch of noise. Your goal as a red teamer is to be as quiet as possible. So these assessments are a lot longer. They could go six months. They could go a year. Um, and your ultimate goal is to be quiet, stealthy and uh, simulate what is called an APT or an advanced persistent threat. Basically you're China, Russia, whoever, like a, a really well-organized uh, well-funded, hacking organization Uh, so that's really what a red team is but as a generalization that's red blue and purple
0: okay so because i've I've only heard the term uh when talking about capture the flag red teaming blue teaming so this is actually a term you'll use out in the in the in the field saying okay we're gonna hire you for a red team service is that what i guess is that, that what the the po would say
1: absolutely yeah you know you see uh you see different titles for it, so it could be penetration testing, it could be red teaming. Uh, it's very general, general loop together. And you'll see jobs that title it red teaming, and it's really penetration testing. Uh, you see jobs that are penetration testing, and there's really red teaming involved as well. So uh, they are interchangeable from like a high level. And yeah, so I mean, if you see that, you can you can assume that it's it's pen testing or at least some sort of hacking going on, offensive security going on.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Um, so I know that doing capture the flags is a good way to learn pen testing, learn ethical hacking. What are the what are some of the best sites you know of that'll really help develop those skills, maybe for like a beginner all the way to super advanced?
1: Sure. Um, so in terms of capture the flag, I think hack the box is probably the best place for beginners. Now there is a, you have to hack your way into this site. That's Googleable. Google is your best friend as a hacker. So learn to use it. Um, Other than that, like, honestly, the VIP membership there is like 13 bucks a month. And the thing about the VIP membership is it gives you access to all the retired machines. So if you're a complete noob, you could go to the retired machine, spin it up, and then practice on it. And if you can't figure it out, the nice thing about retired machines is there's videos out there on it or write-ups on it, and you can learn from where you're stuck. The current Hack the Box, what you have to do is you work against live machines until they're retired. Once they're retired, then write-ups come out. Um, So for that extra 13 bucks a month, kind of really worth it, but otherwise, if you just want to practice and give it a go, uh, it's completely free. Um, Another one is Vulnhub. Vulnhub, basically you just download the different vulnerable machines and then you try to hack against them. The nice thing is that most of those already have write ups out there and they're all free. The downside would be that it could be system intensive because you already have to run a Kali VM most likely and then you're going to have to run another VM on top of that. So if you don't have a lot of RAM or, you know, system uh, system space, it could be be an issue for you. The other one that I have not tried but I've been hearing good things about is Virtual Hacking Labs. Uh, so apparently they've got uh, a nice course structure and labs that actually kind of walk you through some of this stuff. So I've been hearing good things. I think they're a little bit more expensive than Hack the Boxes, and they're I don't believe they're free. I believe they're a paid version. Uh, so between those three really, really good places to start. When you talk about on the advanced side, um, there are places that you can pay for labs, like somewhere like Pentester Academy is a place that has uh, what's called, one of the courses is advanced or is a active directory attack and defense. So when you are talking about those attacks and learning how to defend against them, perfect course. It's, um, it's not a lot for the videos, but if you want the lab environment, I think it's a hundred or 200 bucks. And you get to practice those actual Active Directory attacks in a simulated lab environment that's way more uh, realistic than it is Capture the Flag. And backtracking a little bit, Hack the Box actually has a couple of pro labs as well. One is called Offshore, the other is called Rasta Labs. Uh, both of those are $100 a month and they simulate Active Directory environments as well. Um, so there's a ton of places out there that in between free to anywhere to even like 300 bucks, which really isn't that bad when you consider like the ROI on everything, um, you know, for practicing and, and doing that. You can also build your own out. That's something that I've done before, too. you got to have mm-hmm. some system resources. But um, if you you know, there's courses out there that you can build it out and, you know, simulate a lot of the Active Directory attacks as well. Wow, okay, so you're, first
0: of all, you're getting me super excited because I, I wanna try every one of these things. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds so fun. What I love about this is that the learning process is so hands-on. Yes. Uh, it's, it's amazing, and there, there's more resources than I thought there uh, was out there. That's, that's kinda crazy. Now, um, I want you to go into a, a little bit more. How do you build out your own environment for like, a hacking lab? What's a hacking lab look like? What does yours sure. look like?
1: Yeah, so mine is uh, fairly simple. But it is system system intensive, um, so I have a Kali VM running, and then I have basically three machines. Now I've spun this up in Azure in a very similar way as well. So if you don't want to use system resources, you can use so Azure. Azure. Yeah, Azure. <laughs> so you can um, you can utilize Azure, or I use VMware. But basically, you have trial versions of Windows out there that you can download. They never check the uh, they never check the expiration. Really, they just say, hey, you've expired, bad. Bad guy. Um, But other than that, it's just you download a, a Windows Server 2012, 2016, even 2019, you install that and then you've got a couple of Windows 10 machines that you put with it. You make a domain and then you just join the machines to the domain and you you practice vulnerabilities. Now, if you don't know how to build out a domain, there's videos on that or instructions on that. And you really just simulate an Active Directory network. You read write ups in why things are vulnerable and then you simulate that in your own environment. It's definitely a lot of work because you're building out your own stuff, you're utilizing your own resources, but it's also the best way to learn because you're building out your own stuff. Uh, So, you know, if you know how to build it, break it and fix it, it really helps.
0: Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, because you can't know how to hack it and and unless you know how to build it and you can't tell people how to defend themselves unless you know how to secure it. Um, So it's I find it interesting (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna poke fun at Microsoft. That you talk a lot about hacking Active Directory and internal networks. Is that because like you don't encounter a lot of networks that are like Linux based that are super insecure, or maybe just the admins who know Linux know what they're doing more so? I, I'm just I'm just saying that out loud. Um, <laughs> so well, what, what? Why is it that you're encountering so many Windows based environments and you're penetration penetration testing those?
1: Yeah, so kind of like I, I talked about earlier, uh, 95% of the Fortune 500 utilize Active Directory. So it's just really a numbers game. Uh, and in terms of my pen testing experience, 100% of the time, it's been an Active Directory environment. Uh, so when I when I teach and I make videos and I spin up stuff, I spin it up based on everything that I've seen, and focus on that, and making it as realistic as possible. So, I mean, every environment nowadays—you know—I still, like I said, haven't encountered one that's running on Linux and not Actor Directory.
0: Interesting, interesting, I mean, and that's that's obvious. It's so many people are running Windows now. People are moving to the cloud. Yes. How how is that looking for you? Um, is the cloud? super secure? Are you encountering vulnerabilities? Are you called upon to test the cloud at all?
1: So we do test against the cloud. Uh, We treat it just like a a normal pen test. I would say that there is a bit more security on there, but it doesn't mean that it's completely secure. Uh, We do cloud console assessments as well. And you find like, you know, IAM is probably the weakest spot out of anything. Um, So when you're doing these assessments, you really just like, it's better for us to also see the inside. Just in case, you know, okay, the pen test didn't pick anything up, but we gotta look at your your inside and make sure that you're not like disclosing anything or you have improper, you know, improper items set up on your cloud security. Uh, but yes, everything is moving to the cloud. It's it's a bit more secure, but it's still, I mean, it's not you're you're no better off at this point. You still have to um, you know, people are the weakest points and people will keep being the weakest points.
0: Interesting. And when you say IAM, you're talking about the identity access management. So their active directory, um, the way they're securing their servers, are they using just a local admin password or things like that. Um, And that's true because uh, people are still connecting their on-prem active directory environments to the cloud. They're still peering those things. And the weaknesses could still exist on-prem. It yep, doesn't just exactly fix it because they connect to the cloud. It just propagates exactly. the cloud.
1: <laughs> we see a lot of cloud domain controllers and then we have, you know, all the everything else, the systems are all on prem. So um, it really doesn't change a lot. Now when you pen test against an entire environment uh, that's in the cloud, that becomes a little bit more difficult. But the uh, you're not you you're still not seeing a ton of that at this point.
0: So in I imagine you probably encounter this, because you, you mentioned a lot about how um, all the modern search you're looking at really don't teach on web app testing, and I, I've seen on your channel you talk about that a lot, um, yes. and you probably do that a lot. Do you see a lot of web apps in the cloud? And uh, second question, you answer after that. Um, what's involved in web app testing or penetration testing, and why is it so popular? Is it just because more people have these web applications?
1: Yeah, so um, that's a good question. In so towards the end of my time with my last job, when I was working you know, as a senior pen, um, everything was moving towards web app. And even if there was a client that we had a network assessment for, chances are they've only got one network, or if they're larger, they've got a couple networks. Um, you know, some, they're, the rare few have a lot of networks to pen test, but the chances are the client that has one network might have multiple web apps. So you're looking at multiple assessments, and then the opportunities are just are just more. And you add that in with the the whole bug bounty craze that's going on, when everybody's like, after you know, you can just hack a website, get paid to do it. Uh, everybody's starting to to learn these these web app um, pen testing techniques. Now the so the good places to learn there is eLearn Security has a web app penetration testing course. Um, I think it's great good foundations. There's a lot of resources out there. Again, like the, um, the hacker one is coming out with a lot of material port swigger is another one that's coming out with material. Um, so there's a lot of good free resources. Uh, on top of that, when you, if you want to learn the methodology, you know, you could spin up your own website or just practice on one of the bug bounty websites. You're, they're not going to be, um, really easy to, to break obviously, cause they've been pen tested for God knows how long, but You can take something like, there's something out there called an OWASP checklist, O-W-A-S-P. Now, version 4, I don't know if they've they've updated version 5. I don't know if version 5 has um, the full checklist and PDF. But version 4 has an Excel document and a PDF that goes with it. Literally, line by line, you can go and it says what the attack is, what you're looking for, what tools to run, and how to do it. So it gives you step-by-step step, and there's 128 checkboxes. So I use that still to this day on every pentest that I do to make sure, because there's such such a deep methodology when it comes to web applications that I want to make sure I don't miss anything. So I utilize that checklist at every time. Um, so in terms of like learning the methodologies, OWASP is a great resource as well. Uh, they're all web app focused.
0: Interesting, interesting, okay. Um... So that that would be probably a good area to get into, especially if you're looking for more money because more and more companies have web apps they want to have tested. Sure. Because like you, yeah. you don't need a full infrastructure to have a web app, you can spin up a web app anywhere. Uh, you can yep. be a small company, big company.
1: Right. Yep. And so, I mean, that's that's really where the game is going, is going to the cloud, it's going to the web apps. Um, so I mean, this is kind of like that evolving, You you want to stay on top of your game, always be learning. Web apps are kind of where the industry is shifting. At least, if you if you want to be it to be lucrative for you, um, if you're doing bug bounties, there's money there. If you're owning your own company, there's money there. Um, if you want to do assessments, a lot of the work from home, like 100%. I never have to travel to a client site. Is a web app because it's a it's online. It's a web app. There you go. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Um, Honestly, like that's that's really that's really where the industry is shifting. But that's not to say there's not a need for the network side. It's just the more well-rounded you are overall, the better off you're going to be when it comes time to interview and find jobs.
0: Of course, of course. Now I, I want to talk about the the bug bounty thing. Like this is a, a fairly new topic for me. So there are companies out there who are paying people to come find bugs for, in their systems, and they're paying large sums of money.
1: Am I correct? Yeah, they can absolutely. So what what are have you ever done one before? Uh, I've done several, yeah. And I don't like, for so for me, it's never been lucrative. Um, there are, so there are people out there that, you know, are going to be smarter, better, faster at finding these bugs. Um, you see a lot of the people posting like, I don't know, 20 grand at a time. or You'll see somebody make like 100 grand in a day. And it's absolutely insane. It's just not hyper realistic for somebody like me. Uh, But, you know, I like to go in there and I like to practice and play around with them. I think it's really good for, um, you know, if you're just starting out with with pen testing or with web apps, it's a great place to learn the methodologies and to practice a lot of the attacks. Even if they don't work, you kind of understand what you're trying to do. Uh, So I think that's great for me. My billable rate, it's a lot more consistent and steady than it would be for me to go look for 40 hours for a bug and maybe find something, maybe not.
0: Oh, yeah, that would suck to spend like 40 hours bashing out a bug I don't know what the term is trying to find a bug and and you just nothing nothing the other guy wins that'd be the worst thing ever oh my goodness
1: <laughs> right and i mean like you take you take a pen tester salary especially like a senior salary and you compare that to a bug bounty hunter i would guess probably top 1% of the bug bounty hunters make that as it is so um, you would you would really need to be in an elite class not try to discourage anybody just like keeping it realistic or if you live in a country that uh, you know money's better where even if you get some of these small bugs, and you chip away. Um, that that money might be fantastic, depending on where you live. Uh, so, but just like in the U.S., it's not really it's not really worth the the time invested. the The payoffs not not as great, at least for me.
0: Now, I, I want to address this, and I know you've probably talked about this before on your channel. But um, I know a lot of people want to become hackers just because they see it in movies, and it, it looks really cool, sure. or they see it in a TV show. Is it, is it reality like that? Like sitting at a screen, typing away, like, and you're just like, oh,
1: I'm in the system. Oh, I've passed the mainframe. Like, is it like that? Uh, no, I, I, it's not, it's not, (laughs) that's mostly theatrics. Um, you know, it's it's a lot of sitting at a computer, it's a lot of typing at a screen, but you know, typically you're not seeing like numbers fly across the screen and you're typing really fast and you're like in a race against time to <laughs> to you know, before something, there's like some status bar before some guy's coming into the room and you gotta like hurry up, but. Where, where'd that status bar come from? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of really, honestly, it's kind of the opposite, you're on a timed assessment, but if there's anything about hacking, it takes patience and they're like, enumeration is the biggest thing when it comes to hacking and enumerating, meaning digging deeper, trying to find all the information that you can because the more information that you can gather as an attacker, the better off you are that you know when attacking that client. So the, the deeper you dig, the more information you gather, um, that's really what it's about. So you don't spend as much time exploiting as you probably do, you know, gathering that information. Cause once you find the exploit, it's, it's pretty quick usually. Um, just outside the box thinking too is another thing to add. So it's it's really much more slow than it is theatrics. <laughs> and that makes sense. And it's kind
0: of it's kind of good to hear that because people, I, I used to think like, oh, I could never be a hacker because I'm not a genius. I, I, I can't just, I'm not good at math. I'm, I'm not, I don't know programming. I can't be like right. that. But it's, it's like any other discipline in IT. You have to learn the methodology. You have to learn how it works and then practice, lab it right. up. Um, you have to have patience. You have to have tenacity. You have to keep going and going, and that that's good. Good because I, I know some people don't have that, and that's fine. But sure. anybody can do this, which is pretty cool. It's yeah. So
1: I mean, honestly, like I'm very I'm very average when it comes to being a pen tester. There are people that are ridiculous. So you, their brain works on a whole nother level, <laughs> and I'm I'm incredibly successful. Like it's just it's about the the, the drive, the desire, uh, the passion for it, right? And that. Constant will to learn. You just got to be the best you that you can be, more so than trying to catch Bob at the top, who's you know on on CNN every night or whatever, you know, for being a god hacker. You don't you don't need to be that. You just need to be the best you could be. You could still be incredibly successful in this field.
0: That's super cool to hear. Um, so I'm I'm convinced. So here I am. I am I'm a network guy. What? And I, I've already heard some tips, but I want to hear you tell me what to do. Sure. What What certifications should I go for? next to make my way into the hacking realm?
1: Uh, So based on your network experience, I'd say you're pretty good. Um, You might have some coding background or at least understand you might have done some Ansible in your life or something on there where you you got that background. You might have experienced a little bit of Linux, could probably pick it up pretty quick, especially if you've already done coding or anything like that. You've lived in a command line, so you've got some (laughs) experience there. it's like honestly, a
0: profile.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> honestly, though, like at, at your point with your experience, um, I would honestly just tell you to uh, either jump into something like Hack the Box, get your feet wet, make sure you really like it. If you do really like it, I don't think you're far off from just purchasing the OSCP and diving in, given that you have the time. As long as you have the time to, to do that and practice on those labs, I think, uh, you know, with the Network Linux Foundation, again, it doesn't have to be incredibly strong, and they'll teach you a lot of what you need to know, but that that drive, that desire, and just that basic foundation will make you will take you far. I mean, it'll get you. That would be the next step for you.
0: Oh, honestly. Okay. All right. So, oh, I appreciate your confidence in me.
1: I, I got try confidence. not to let
0: you down. Um, now, what what would you compare the OSCP to to like other high level certs? Would it be comparable to the CCIE, or would it be like a high level CCAP? What would you say it is?
1: It's really really tough. Um, because we, we
0: know people, they, they spend years studying for the CCIE and failing multiple times. I'm not yeah. sure if it's
1: up to that par or maybe it is. I don't know. So you hear people failing multiple times and that it's really, really hard. I don't think it's anywhere near the CCIE level. Um, but at the same time, like there are very few certifications out there that have uh, that low of an investment for that return of investment. Like To spend 1200 bucks and make potentially $100,000, I don't know what... What certifications out there that that's even comparable to? That's
0: that's yeah that's that in and of itself is enough said. That's perfect. Yeah, Yeah. man. Whoo. Well, Heath, um, we're at about an hour here, and I know we got questions coming in, but you know I want to make them do. I'm gonna make them go subscribe to your channel. So, guys, link below the Cyber Mentor. He's got a great YouTube channel. I've watched a bunch of his videos; fantastic. He does all kinds of fun stuff, like I do. And you'll, if you like me, you'll enjoy watching his stuff. Maybe even more so. Just make sure you stay subscribed to me. Um, <laughs> Go subscribe, and I'm sure if you comment on his videos, he'll be more than happy to answer. Sorry to put you on the hook for that, but uh, you're gonna do absolutely. it. absolutely. <laughs> I got you. I try to respond to every comment, so good, good, good man. Yeah, um, and then he, he's got this pen, uh, he, he does a ton of pen testing courses. So, like, th- I got a link below, it's the first link in the description. He does pen testing for beginners, and it's like, how, how long is it, like 14 hours?
1: Yeah, about 14 and a half hours. So, if you got 14
0: hours to spare, yeah, on, on a weekend, there you go, <laughs> you know what you're doing. And-
1: and it takes you through that AD lab build. So if you want to see how you build and break a lab, there you go. Um, it's got it's got what you need there.
0: That's so cool, and it's like it's free. Like it's you, you just yeah. do it for free, um, and and you're getting people started, which is so cool. So yeah, go go follow this guy. Uh, find him on Instagram, Twitter. Um, yeah, anywhere else they can find you, or is that is that
1: good? <laughs> uh, that's that's good. Twitch. You just just Google the Cyber Mentor if you need to find me. But Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot you're on Twitch.
1: Yeah, that's all the social medias.
0: <laughs> well, um, I think we should do more stuff together because uh, people, people, people like this. But anyways, um, guys, again, any more questions for him? Uh, go subscribe and he'll answer your questions. And uh, Heath, dude, thanks so much for coming on. You answered a lot of my questions, encouraged me, and I hope other people have been encouraged from this. I know they they were. So, anyways, dude, catch you next time. Thanks
1: for having me, man. I appreciate it. Uh huh. Absolutely. <laughs>